This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. What if Farai came to church every week, heard the word and walked out, and not related to anyone? What if he wasn't known in a big church like this? What if they went community and friendships around him? Yes, he's got a natural family. Probably as brothers and sisters. But the Bible says this. It says, better a friend close by than a brother far away. And in times like that, it's a friend that you made close by. That will come through. I, quite honestly, I salute George and Juliana. At 3 a.m., I don't even know how they got the idea to go and make noise in the way they did. You know, Farai says that it sounded like an army was outside, but I remember a Bible story where three lepers, four lepers, were at the gate and they said, if we stay here, we die. If we go, we die. We might as well go. And as they went, God amplified their feet. And the enemy said, "Woo! we heard a large army coming. So I believe there was a large army out there that day. But think through this with me. What if we all just came to church, heard the word for ourselves and left? What if we didn't relate? What if there was no community? What if we were like robots, we came in and left, and all we wanted to connect to was to connect with God and connect with Pastor Tom? Think about it. We're heading towards 50,000. What if we were 50,000? And we didn't have cells and community And all we did was try and relate with the set man. We would repeat the folly of Moses in the Bible when the children of Israel were leaving, were in the wilderness. Moses sat and judged and listened to the children of Israel. The Bible says day and night. They would queue up and you would hear their cases all day. And that's all he did. Because they came... They heard, they left. They came again. But the Bible says that Jethro, his father-in-law, came. And this is the scripture. This is what, this is the, this is what happened and, and saw what was happening. And this is what happened in Exodus 18 from verse 15. He said, what is this thing that you're doing to the people, for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you morning until evening? So Moses' father-in-law said to him in verse 17, this thing that you do is not good. Turn to your neighbor, say not good. Both you and these people will surely wear yourselves out. Moreover, then he gives him the solution. He says, moreover, select, in verse 21, from all the people, able men, such as those who fear the Lord, men of truth, hating covenantness, and place such... Place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifty, rulers of tens, and let them judge the people. 
Jethro came with a strategy. I believe that was divinely inspired. What if we did get to 50,000? And Pastor Tom, as Moses did, was the one who dealt with all the issues. Think through this with me. If, say, there were 50,000 and to each one, just 10 minutes was dedicated, that would mean that's 500,000 minutes that he would need to dedicate himself to. There are 24 hours in a day, so that's 9,000 hours. Well, 9,000 hours. And if you divide that by days, well, sorry, there's 60 minutes in an hour. If you divide that by 60, that's 9,000. If you divide that by 24, which is 24 hours in a day, you get about 350 days. So that's all he will do all year. He issues. But he can't work 24 hours, can he? So let's bring it down. Say there was an eight-hour working day. So that would take three years for him to hear the issues. Just 10 minutes. And then what would happen? We would all get frustrated waiting for our turn for the 10 minutes. So in this case, Farai would add a robbery at 3 a.m., but when he calls, you'd be told, uh, sorry, your turn is in 2019. <laughs> so we'll start having an issue in the issues. And when you did get to him, he would probably be so tired from hearing the, all the other issues, your 10 minutes would not be quality 10 minutes. So when you left, you'd have an issue because the issue you brought was not dealt with properly and you'd leave with your issue. So we would become known as the church with issues. That became issues. But here's the thing. What if that's all Pastor Tom did? Where would the time be for him to hear from God? Where would the time be for him to pray? Where would the time be for him to study the word, to feed us? What if God wanted to speak to him? Would he need to be scheduled in the appointment of the 50,000? So maybe you'd not hear him and would have a bigger issue than the issues he's dealing with. Because we're a church that deals with issues. Or that focuses on issues. Jesus didn't say, I'll build my church on issues. He says, on this revelation, on this rock, on this revelation of Christ being the king, on this revelation of Christ being the son of God, I will build my church. So Moses, once he set in, in place these leaders, these leaders began to deal with the people in groups, in smaller groups, and, the, and taught the people to deal and help one another. And Moses had time to go up the mountain, hear from God, receive the law, come down with the Ten Commandments, come down with the glory of God. God instituted the pattern there and then 
of how our issues are dealt with. In fact, Jesus himself answered this and showed this pattern in Luke 10. He himself appointed 12 men and spent intimately. I mean, think about this with me. The world was awaiting, the Israelites were awaiting a Messiah. They hoped the Messiah would come on horseback with fine armor, ripping the enemy apart, fighting and devouring. That, you know, the Messiah would be like a king. He would sit in the most beautiful of palaces and live there and rule and reign. But Jesus came serving. Jesus came and was amongst the people. Jesus came and went into people's homes. Jesus chose to change the world, not on this big scale, but through relationship, one man at a time. That's heaven's strategy. Jesus used relationship. Jesus met intimately with 12 men, and he left them to do the business. I can imagine what it was like every evening after ministry. I figured they would get together, break bread, fellowship with the 12. It was like a cell family. These men began, first they were nervous around him. Who the heck is this guy? Then as they went with him to public ministry and heard him preach, And then they came back and asked him intimate questions and he answered them. As he fellowshiped with them and went into Peter's mother's home who had a fever and he cared enough for her and healed her of a fever. He was winning Peter's heart, Peter's trust. But it was through those intimate times that these men began to know Jesus intimately to such an extent that they were willing to lay down their lives for him. And today you and I have this. They were able to document his life, which we celebrate today. Jesus in Luke 10 showed the disciples this same principle. He says, he says to them, go into the town that I'm about to go into. He sent them out two by two. And he says, Don't stop in the streets. Go into people's homes. And when you get into that home, say peace to that home. And if a son of peace is there, let your peace rest. But if not, leave. He he said to them, I want you to eat, drink, sup with these people, get to know them. Meet their needs in the home, in that intimate setting. Then he said this, any town you go to, that they do not receive you. Dust your feet and leave that town. It will be worse for them than Sodom and Gomorrah. What was the evidence of Christ not being received in that town? Or the disciples, if they were not received in the intimate setting of a home, the town rejected them. He said, don't go house to house. He said, go to one house. And from the one house, launch the ministry. Using the relationships you've won. That's the pattern he set for them. 
But I, I want you to see something interesting because the 72 then came back to Jesus. And listen to what they said further on. The 72 returned with joy and said to him, Lord, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Ah, Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice in these things. Rejoice in the fact that your names are written in the book of life in heaven. Jesus is saying, do not rejoice in the outward works. Rejoice that we have a relationship. Rejoice that you are fulfilling the very thing I've come down here for. Jesus came so God would have a relationship with you and I. God builds relationally. And when he looks down on us, he's looking for a people that would be in relationship. That's why he says, I'm sending you to have relationships. And as you have those relationships, as you love one another, you'll see my power operate. Satan is crushed by our love for one another. As our love for one another grows, as our love for one another is evident, perfect fear, perfect love drives out all fear. Perfect fear is defeated by our love. Now, if we become robotic and all we do is come into church and go out and come into church and go out, where is the love? Listen up to something else that Jesus said. Jesus, at this, he says he was full of joy at the Holy Spirit. He says, you are full of joy. He says, I praise you, Father, in heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, but you've revealed it to little babes. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. What are little babes like? You know, I was in the Duchelle suit before we came in here, and I was looking at little Seth. He was with his mother, Rachel. And uh, he wanted something from the food basket that was too high for him. The next thing he looked at, he looked at his mom. <laughs> Little babes are dependent on relationship. The wise and the learned can do it on their own. They rely on their books and their knowledge. So they come and they get their knowledge and leave. And you're okay. But the heavenly father rejoices when we are like little babes, when we're dependent on relationship, when we can live on relationship. Not only relationship with him, because further down, Jesus says, what are the two greatest laws? He says, love your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. He says, the second greatest is love your neighbor as you love yourself. The relationship is this way and this way. It starts off, the evidence of this love is manifested by this love, our love for one another. So here's what happens. Jesus reveals in this story a couple of principles. Transformation comes through transformed relationships. Who will transform communities? 
and Satan is defeated. Meaningful relationships start in the home. That's where they start. If the home is broken, so will society and community be broken. God builds strong relationships through strong families. God builds strong nations through strong families and relationships. So what if Jesus had not invested in those 12 men? What if he didn't have that cell of men he knew intimately and revealed himself to? These 12 men, the Bible says, turned the world upside down. And they did it while they were being persecuted. All of them died for the gospel. But Jesus had given them the key. Jesus' strategy to reach the world started in a cell of 12 men. This same pattern is no different today. The strategy for reaching Barado are those home churches in Barado, those cells in Barado. The strategy for reaching Marlborough are those cells in Marlborough. The strategy for reaching whatever community you were in is those groups of men and women who get to know each other so intimately and love each other so intimately that their love begins to touch their community. The Bible says that of the 12 disciples, he says they were ordinary men, they were not learned, they were not wise. But they recognized them because they said they were, these are the ones who were with Jesus. Their love was purely evident to those around them. Acts 2 says this. It says all the believers were gathered together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions, gave to one another. As to who had need, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and in their homes. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor with all people. Say enjoying favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Yes, they met like this. But after they met like this, they went to homes. And it was while in their homes, while they had relationship, while they got to know, know those around them. The Bible says that God gave them favor. They broke bread when they were together. They took, they studied doctrine. They took what they learned in this kind of setting and broke it and had fellowship, had encounters, built relationship. Then they reached out to their community, brought them into their homes. And the Bible says they enjoyed favor with the people. Jesus was sitting in heaven and seeing Satan fall in those communities and saying, I rejoice. Not because of the works, not because of the outward signs. I rejoice because they are loving each other. As Father, you and I love each other. 
He says, a new commandment I have given you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Where is love first demonstrated? In the natural, it's in that family setting. In the spiritual, it's in the family setting. Where you and I are as, as, as the body of Christ, break bread together in remembrance of him. Fellowship together in remembrance of him. Are joined together by his blood for the remissions of sins. The church exploded. Pastor Tom has been teaching us about Pentecost. You know what preceded Pentecost falling? A cell meeting. Do you know what preceded? They were in a home. They were praying together. They were in unity. They were loving each other. In that setting, the Holy Spirit fell. And 3,000 were added to their number that day. That day, 3,000 were saved that day when the Holy Spirit fell. Did this bother Peter and the, and the disciples? They think, man, how are we going to take care of the 3,000? No, Jesus had revealed to them a pattern of how to take care of multitudes. They had seen him feed 5,000. They had seen him feed 4,000. They remembered the lesson because at the time they came and said, Lord, send these people away. So they can go and eat. He says, no, you give them something to eat. They looked at him and said, what? Even if we were to collect offerings in this church, or if Pastor Tom, even if we were to do offerings all year, we can't feed, we can't touch Harari. He said, you go and feed them. Then he gave them the strategy. He said, bring the five loaves and two fish here. Bring what's there. Get the people to sit in small groups. Get them to sit in hundreds and fifties. Then he began to break the bread. And as the bread went into those groups, it multiplied. So when the widows came with issues to Peter and said, we have an issue. Peter said, no, 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 no. We're not going to take our eye off the prize, which is the word and devotion to prayer. Appoint men who can take care of this and teach the people to do the same. So as these people broke bread in smaller groups, as they broke bread in smaller units, smaller families, multiplication takes place. The miracles begin to take, the grace is there, the favor is there. Their needs are met. But here's the amazing thing that took place. There were 12 basketfuls left after that. That means there was enough not only to meet their needs, but there was enough to go spill over into the community. That's how they touched communities. That's how the 3,000, that's how the early church was taken care of. In the midst of persecution, the early church was persecuted. What was Jesus' strategy for persecution? What if we became the persecuted church? You know it. It's beginning to happen in our schools. Islam is coming. Your children are getting home tired right now. By grade four, they'll be taught other religions. We're driving Christianity. The persecution is coming. What if the church became persecuted? Where would the church grow from? Where would we meet? Where would you get the word? 
You heard the stats Pastor Tom shared last week. It happened next door in Mozambique. The church grew in times of persecution in homes. It grew as people fellowshiped. And I'm telling you, it created such a force. That love, the people, created such a force, created such a momentum, they could not contain it. It's still moving today. It's still happening today. In China, the church is still persecuted there. The church still faces persecution, still faces hardcore. Do you know where the church is growing? In homes. The government can have a strategy up here to destroy the church, but they cannot have a strategy to destroy private altars in homes. The, 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 the enemy can attack us by what we see, but they cannot attack our love within for one another in here. What if that happened in Zimbabwe? What if we got persecuted? What if we couldn't meet like this? Where would you get fed? Where would you get help? Where would you have intimacy with the Holy Spirit? That's why Jesus says the strategy is not to go up here and bombard and war without changing the hearts of man. He went and touched 12 people. 12! That's it. I want you to watch a, a video clip about what's happening in China. Go ahead and play that. Thousand house churches, just like this one. Dennis told me one story about a time he went to a very remote village in China to preach. He was led into a large room where the people were packed so closely together that he had his back to the wall and could reach out and touch the row in front of him. Everyone stood. There was no room to sit. He asked how long he should preach for, and they told him from 8.30 to 7 at night. Then they asked him, if it wasn't too much trouble, could you come back tomorrow and preach from 8.30 to 7 again? And then, very sheepishly, they asked again, if you'd be so kind, could you come back the day after that and preach from 8.30 to 7? He asked how often he should take breaks, and they told him not to stop. The people will wait. Then he asked them what he should preach on. Everything, they replied, from Genesis to Revelation. And then it dawned on him, these people had no Bibles. If you are spreading the gospel, Chinese government treats you as a criminal. I hear from time to time of brothers and sisters being persecuted and arrested. Last week, a good friend of mine was taken by the Chinese police. It was questioned and then beaten so bad that he almost died. All because of spreading the gospel. In a city, everywhere you look, there are apartments. Since we can't meet in public, our ministry takes place in the buildings we live in.
In the evenings, brothers and sisters in Christ gather together in homes. This is our church. Only two weeks ago, an amazing thing happened. We discovered there was another home church meeting at the top of this very same building. In our own building, God had brought up another fellowship. That really humbled us. In the midst of all the darkness, all the persecution, the Holy Spirit is moving. He continues to prepare the hearts of people in China. Right now, there are approximately 140 million home churches in China. They don't even have proper stats on that. 175 million that belong to one protestant organization, which is the Three South Church. Approximately 168 accounted for Christians, but it's actually more than that. That's in China. In Iran, let me show you this. In Iran, go ahead. Another persecuting country. That's, there were 2,000, 20 years ago, there were two to 3,000 oh, Christians. Today, they estimate between 300,000, or in 2016, to a million Christians. They can't keep proper count of it because they're meeting in homes. And the gospel is going, spreading like wildfire. Tell you a story. As we close, at the height of the civil war and the persecution of Christians in Mozambique, a couple was sent from Zimbabwe. They thought they were going to Mozambique because the husband had been transferred to work there. When they got there, they soon realized the agenda was much bigger. Mozambique had been persecuting Christians for 20 years. The level of Christians had gone down to 3% of the population had, were Christians and there was a Bible for every thousand people. But this was the perfect breeding ground for the move of the Holy Spirit. So more and more they got to find out that the Christian missionaries that were coming into that nation. But because they couldn't have public meetings, they needed somewhere to stay. So they started opening up their home to these Christian missionaries. One missionary turned to two, turned to three, and then their home was just like a thoroughfare for Christian missions coming through. 50, 40 at one time. And it just, this became their lifestyle. And, and because they missed church, they didn't have church like we had here in Zimbabwe. They started a movement. The movement that was birthed in Mozambique was called house churches. They were dotted all over. These guys were in Beira. While on the other side, 20 years ago, Pastor Tom had started the refugee movement and sent people back into Mozambique. 38,000 of them, 65,000 were born again. 38,000 went into churches. What kind of churches? Home groups. 
people who loved one another under and encouraged one another under persecution. Today, most of the missionary work in Mozambique, they say that the, the stat has gone up to about 20% of the population today is Christian. But the seed was in homes. And you know what? Jesus rejoices in the Holy Spirit because Satan is falling. Now the story I'm telling you is not for someone far away because the people God used were people who opened up their home. The people who were willing to have relationship with other Christians at the very cost of their own lives. They may have lost their lives if they were found out. They're here with us. You may not know them, but that's Pastor Nikki and Pastor Vic's story. God used them. God can use you. He starts everything in seed form. It's good for us to gather like this. This is the beginning. But Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, when I speak to the multitudes, they hear them as parables and stories. These are parables and stories. But to you, the mysteries of the gospel is revealed. He says, when we're together in fellowship, when we're together as family, we break the word, we break bread, and we make it applicable for us. Amen. We multiply. It is not just stories. Because we come to church like this and say, ah, the pastor's message was good. Oh, very good. Hey, I didn't understand the pastor today. What is pastor talking about? But when we're in a relationship, we say, let's study the scriptures. What are the scriptures? Let's break that down. How does that apply to me? The church moves forward. Today, in this church, we have what we call cell life. And cell life is our lifestyle. We believe in a lifestyle of cells. We've changed our, calling ourselves cell groups. We call them cell families. Because God says, I place the lonely in families. And we are God's family. We are God's family. A group is some, a movement that has a cause. A family is there for one. A family will get up for you at 3 a.m. and deter thieves. At 3 a.m., that's what a family member, because they love you. God knows what would have happened to him and those three kids that night. But God had an interception. It was through family members. If you are not in a cell today, I want to encourage you to get into one. And over the next month, we're going to be helping you find a cell. Find a family. God places the lonely in families. Because this is how he's going to grow his church. What if 90% of us here were in a cell? I'm telling you this. In the avenues, our strategy is to place a cell in every block of flats. There are 181 flats. I'm telling you, if 90% of us here were in a cell, there would be a cell in every block of flats. Ten months ago, we started what we call city lights in the city center. Through our cells. Ten months ago. A, A team of ladies called Primary Purpose. That's their primary purpose. They go out every Wednesday and they identify blocks of flats where they go and minister to people. It started off by just going with the word. Then they started carrying Bibles and giving people Bibles. Now they're giving people food. 
it, it is amazing what they're doing. But they've ministered to 1,200 people over in that time. 350 have given their lives to the Lord for the very first time. Over 600 have rededicated their lives. Now, listen, listen to the effect. Listen to the effect. What those cells are doing, in that period, we've recorded a 41% growth in our membership in cells. But yeah, we talk about the avenues and what do we associate the avenues with? Prostitution. Since that time and now, three brothels have closed. The latest one closed on Tuesday. Out of what they're doing, there's now a ministry to prostitutions that meet every Wednesday. God meets us when we step out, when we're in relationship. God meets us when we're in family, when we're in community. If we could do that with just 22 blocks of flats, what more if we're in 181? We sit here and we deny the power of God because we will not get into a relationship. Love, perfect love drives out fear. When we love one another, we break barriers. I'm asking you today, it's not about comfort and preference. You're going to encounter people you don't like in self. Overcome it. Get over yourself. You're going to encounter people that you're not comfortable with. That's true. Maybe find another self that you're comfortable with. But don't stop getting into relationship. God is going to use our love for one another to drive out fear in our communities. To drive out darkness. And we'll see Satan fall and our Lord rejoice. So today, if you're not in a self, this is not condemnatory. I'm asking you. We want to help you this month. I'm asking you to raise your hand. Our ushers will give you a form right now. And over this next month, we will work to get you into a cell that fits who you are. If we make a mistake, please be kind and be patient with us. If you go to a cell and don't like it, we ask you to let us know. If you go and you like it, let us know too. But don't stop. Find one that fits. But remember, it's not about you. It is up to you. It is up to you and I. Raise your hands. This is nothing to be shy about. This is how we'll reach communities. This is how we'll invest in eternity. This is how we'll touch communities. This is how there'll be community transformation. This is it. You and I loving one another. Loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Loving our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. I'm asking you to fill out those forms. Fill them out clearly. Don't fill them out like a doctor. <laughs> fill them out clearly. I'm asking you to also, there, there is a section for you to put your age. This information is confidential, by the way. But I'm asking you to put your age as well. That will help us find a demographic that's good for you. Just put your age anywhere. Put a number, if you are 40, put 40 and circle it. If you are 30, put 30 and circle it. Let me know that's your age. Put your, your, the phone number we'd like you to put is your WhatsApp number. And if you have another number we can contact you on, please put that number. Put your email clearly and your name clearly, your address clearly, so we can see those. Is there anyone that wants a form that hasn't received a form? Please fill out those forms and hold on to them and there'll be an opportunity at the end of the service 
for you to bring back the phones. But we're asking everyone, everyone, if you're not in a cell, if you're not in a cell family, this is the way we take care of you in this church. This is the way we deal with issues. But this is a way that you can also begin to meet the needs of others and grow and mature in Christ. And also evangelize the community that you're in. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.